bigger deal than that, it's, it's, it's also Pentecost Sunday. Uh, Memorial Day is a national holiday. Right? We know that. Uh, it's a national holiday where we remember those who gave their lives serving our nation. Right? It's, it's for, for people who, who gave everything. So we honor, remember, for we memorialize those folks, uh, the families who made that sacrifice. Uh, there was a phrase uh, that that we often think of, actually I saw someone had the sign in their yard, uh, Jack had, had it in his yard, and it's a phrase we've all heard before, and, and it was certainly true, I think it's a little less true today than it was when it began, but, but the phrase is, all gave some, and some gave all, right? Some gave all. I think, I'm not sure, I haven't done the research, and some of you can probably correct me on this, but my understanding of it is this phrase came about in World War II, after World War II, because it came about when when the entire nation was invested in the effort of the war. It, it had everybody's attention. It had everybody's work. Everybody's, everybody was part of it. Since then, the sacrifices war, of war, of how we even call it, we don't call it war anymore, we call it military conflict, right? Now, military conflict, it affects fewer and fewer and fewer people than it did back then. Today, when we have a, a conflict, I would venture to say that very few of us really give anything. Few of us sacrifice anything for that other. Outside of maybe some stress, some anxiety, some prayers, right? It doesn't really cost us like it did back when that phrase came about the first time. So when we say this today, it just it means something different. Today when we say it, it it's a reminder of that, that some did give all and some did sacrifice a lot. For everything we have today. Now Pentecost is different. Pentecost is when God gave his Holy Spirit to, to launch and maintain the church. <laughs> the same is true for this one because we didn't have much to do with that either. God did all that, right? God was the one. But in the same way, we get the benefits of someone else and what someone else did for us on our behalf. So today, being Pentecost Sunday, and I see some of you got to know that you wore your red props to you. Very, very well done. Well done. <clears throat> I asked my wife if this was red enough. She said yes. So, <laughs> so I've already been challenged today, but I just want to say I got permission. Uh, I was told it was red enough. So anyway, today is, a matter of fact, the birthday of the church. So say happy birthday to yourself. Happy birthday. Oh, come on. That ain't how you say happy birthday.
1784, officially. That's 239 years ago. As far as churches go, denominations go, we're not that old. We're older than a lot of them, but we're not that old. Pretty young. Actually, the big C church, like all church, right, has been around for 2,000 years, Pentecost. Right? Since Pentecost, that's when the church began. And today we think of church as being all these denominations, right? We think of all these different churches everywhere. But did you know that until the year 1054, there was only one church? There was just one church for the first 1,050 years, or whatever. One church. And what happened in 1054 is there was a great schism. That's what it's called. The great schism. The church split between east and west. Now, they had a whole bunch of issues that divided the church at that time. <clears throat> One of the biggest issues, and Joe, you're here, so i, I got to point this out to you, that, that Joe and, and others who did, who have asked me, Pastor, what kind of grants should we get for communion? And my response has always been, Vivian, come on, help me out. No, what am I saying? I'm always a king's Hawaiian. King's Hawaiian. But they don't make King's Hawaiian alone, right? I wish they did, because that's all we would ever have. Because, but, but literally, that's what the church split over. East and West. Like it fractured the church over what kind of bread would we serve at communion. Now, we have never, I, I, whatever Joe brings, I'm good with, right? Whatever, whatever's here, we use. But that church actually divided over what kind of bread to serve at communion. Now, there were other issues. Oh, great, for sure. But that was one of the key ones. Would it be leavened bread or unleavened bread? Would it be leavened bread or unleavened bread? That was, no joke, that was one of the bigger factors. So the church goes on, it splits into two. In 1054, they go along for 500 years almost. Martin Luther, this upcoming preacher, decides to write these 95 statements on what's wrong with the church, and he went and nailed them to the door. It's 95 theses that are called. Calling out the Catholic Church in 1517. And over the next several years, all the nations of Europe would kind of adopt their own denomination. They, like each nation would have its own church. Their own way of understanding the way God works and the, the accepted one. And of course, they didn't get along with each other. In 1534, in 1534, King Henry decides that he's going to leave the Catholic Church. But not he's, but King Henry's is, is not going to be part of the Protestant movement. Not at all. He doesn't want to do that. Because he's, he, wants, he says there should be a middle way, a via media, between the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church. There should be a way to reform the Catholic Church without going as far as those Protestants did. And so that's what he sought to do. In fact, with all throughout the English realm, wherever, and it was pretty big at this time, right? Wherever they had uh, city-states or whatever, they would establish churches. And they were part, they weren't part of a denomination, they were part of a community. Kind of a neat way to think about it. That the Anglican church was is a is still today a communion of churches. It's not a group of denominations, it's a communion. That goes along for 200, 250 years. 200 years probably. Then a powerful preacher came along and got tired of the way the church didn't seem to be living out what it said it believed. He began what he hoped would be a renewal movement in the Church of England. 1735, he jumped on a boat and came to Georgia. 
later Methodism got its start in 1784 at a conference in Baltimore. Lovely Lane Church. Church, a conference much like the one that our conference will have down in Princess Anne in a couple of weeks. The Methodist Church was formed here in America on that day, adopting the Articles of Faith that were that were uh, 25 statements that Wesley wrote that, that were based upon the Articles of the Westminster Confession. They're kind of spin-offs from that. And the, I've had them in our program for the last couple of weeks, but in our the Article 5, which is today, the church, it reads this way. I don't know if you can read that, but I'll read it for you. We believe the Christian church is the, is the community of all true believers under the Lordship of Christ. We believe it is one, holy, apostolic, and Catholic. Big words. Don't worry. It is the redemptive fellowship in which the word of God is preached by men divinely called and the sacraments are duly administered according to Christ's own appointment. Under the discipline of the Holy Spirit, the church exists, get this, three things, for the maintenance of worship, the edification of believers, and the redemption of the world. Three purposes of the church, given right here. The first one, the maintenance of worship. We exist, you see, for the minister, to minister to God in worship. That is coming together as the, the, the body for worship. That's why we begin every service with a prayer of adoration, praising God for who He is. We bring, we begin every worship service and sing, singing some songs that you might like to sing, some songs you may not like. Some sometimes when we have combined worship services, you don't like that style of music. But here's here's the thing: the singing, just like the praying, isn't for us. It's not for you. For me. It's for God. Amen. We praise God because He is worthy. It's not, it's not, we didn't live such a great week that we get to go to church like we, we deserve. No. We come to church to worship God, the one who is worthy. Amen. The one who is always worthy. Not because we're so good, but because He is. The songs aren't a reward for showing up. They're an offering to the one who always shows up. Second thing, church exists for the edification of believers. Kind of a strange word, edification. To build up believers, to encourage, to equip, to train, to edification, the equipping of the believers. This is, you might think of this as the preaching of the word. When the church gathers, we are to have God's word taught, to challenge, and encourage each one of us. Because we believe that, that through preaching, through when we study God's word, when we open it up and we read it and we study it, what we act as, as followers of Jesus, what we actually believe is that God speaks to us when we do that. God speaks to us. We believe that when God speaks when we read his word, that his spirit talks to our spirit. I've had people say to me many times that, that preacher, when you said this or when you said that, and it really blessed me. I'm thinking, I did not say that. I know I didn't say that. I go back and look. I could have possibly have said that. I've listened to the recording to see if I actually did say it. I didn't say it. But what happened? God spoke. They opened God's word. They were reading. They were in the moment. And God spoke to them. And they left convinced that they had heard the 
that has your attention. That maybe Jesus needs to take the wheel. We'll come back to that later. But every church is gathered, is, is directed around these three principles here. To gather together, to, to encourage the church to grow in faith, to go and to reach the lost, to gather, to grow and to go. Every church has the same call. Doesn't matter. We are one of, even Methodism is, United Methodism, right, which we're still a part of, is, is one of over 30,000 denominations that all have the same three reasons for existing. To gather, to grow as body, and to go out and show when, when I think of how many different denominations there are, I'm reminded of Jesus' words in his priestly prayer in John 17. John 17. Oh, I got on screen. Verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. He's talking about the disciples. I'm not just praying for the disciples. I'm praying for the people who will believe in me through their work. That's us. He's praying for us. He says, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That our unity, that, our, that we are to be unified in Christ, that that is a witness to the world. And I look around and I see all these denominations, and I'm like, I agree when people ask me, Pastor, why can't there just be one church? I agree. Look what a witness that would be if we could get over ourselves and just be together. Well, there's a reason why. Because we can't get over ourselves. Matter of fact, when the, when the Church of England left the Catholic Church, they were part of their reasons, the reasoning for leaving has kind of become the, the blueprint that, that when they, the church came to America, and it was used to create, I mean, hundreds of, well, tens of thousands of denominations, which still continues to this day. It, it goes something like this. That humans, we're limited in our ability to understand things, right? So, so we have difference of, of opinion. If you're married, you know, you're closer to them than you are anyone else, and yet they still can't get stuff right. Right? We know that people disagree with the correct way of thinking. That's just who they are. Secondly, while we don't disagree with the fundamentals of our faith, that the Christian church is a Christian church. It's pretty, pretty clear about what Christian churches believe. While we don't disagree with the fundamentals, we do disagree about important things. Like God has convicted me of some things that I just can't be comfortable in some churches that hold that up as an important thing. Right? Disagree. We don't disagree over the, the fundamentals, but we do disagree over important stuff. Thirdly, no church has full understanding. No church is perfect. No denomination has got it all right. None of them. Because we're all living from a, a place of kind of figuring it out. Right? We're all trying to figure it out. Which leads to fourth. Separation doesn't mean a schism in the church. We can divide over points of disagreement and still be united in Christ. It's possible. It's, it's, this is why there are denominations. People ask me why there are denominations. This is why. This is like St. Augustine, who, who lived way before all of this happened, right? He said it best when he said, essentials in unity, non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, love. Let me say that again, because this is important for us as we go through this that we're going through as a, as a church. In essentials,
essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, love. Love. This being united in Christ is a powerful image. It's a powerful image. It's a powerful calling for the church. This week in my small group, we had these. Uh, we had a conversation about the, the different metaphors for the church in Scripture. Ooh, don't turn me up. I'll be louder. But don't turn me up. <laughs> uh, the different metaphors in the Bible for for the church and, and well, the body, right? We think we, hear, we remember all the times in Scripture where, where we're referred referred to as the body of Christ. We're referred to as a as a building, a temple. Holy temple, right? The church is. Even though we're a person, we're a people, not a place, we're still we're compared to a, a building. We're, we're compared to a priesthood, a holy priesthood. We're compared to a flock of sheep led by one shepherd. We're compared to branches of a true vine, right? We're, we're compared to finally a bride. This is the one that I think is the most beautiful picture. When COVID came along, we, we people got an excuse to, to not come to church. And I realize today that I'm preaching to the choir. Okay? Let me, let me just say that out. I'm preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to people who get it. People, I, I know that this room is filled with people who are committed to the church. You show up and you show out all the time. I get that. But there are a lot of folks who aren't back yet. <laughs> and it's been over for a while. Right? Do they need to know they need the church. Their faith needs the church. Do they, they need to know that the church needs them. Some will tell me, you know, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. But, you know, I don't have all kinds of excuses. It's too early. It's too late. It's too boring. It's the wrong music. It's, it's way too formal. It, it's, it's too long. The pews are too uncomfortable. I, I don't know. We can do something about pews, maybe. But, but the rest of it, we need to talk about. The rest of it, we need to talk about. I mean, let's say, for instance, I love Jesus, but the, the church, I don't know. Can I love you without liking your spouse? It, you can't love me without liking my spouse. I mean, you can't say, hey, Pastor, why don't you come over for dinner? But, Get 
boring. I just want to say, church isn't boring. Church is not boring. I mean, we, a lot of people spend a lot of time thinking about how we can make it not boring. If, it's, if it is boring, after all that effort, if it's still boring, then you need to find a new church. You need to find one in. And here's the clue for you. If you can't find one that isn't, the problem is probably not the church. It's probably that you're not interested. Right? It's probably that you just don't care. Like, what are you putting into it? What are you putting into it? Another excuse that I get all the time. I would come, but I mean, the seats, I agree with that one. Another one I agree with is the church full of hypocrites. Amen? The church is full of hypocrites. I'm just telling you that it is because it's full of people. And, and every single person I've been around, that I've been around, not, not every single person, but I've been around everybody, but every person that I've been around says one thing and does something else. Every single one of them, at one point in their life, in one area of their life, they're saying something and they're doing something else. I hope not eat that, but here I am eating it. I hope not do that, here I am to do it. It's wrong to drive like a wild man, but here I go. <laughs> right? It's, we're people. But guess what? Being a hypocrite doesn't stop me from going to the grocery store. It doesn't stop me from going to get gas. No, I'm okay with being around hypocrites in some places. <clears throat> you don't think they judge you? <laughs> oh, yes, they do. Oh, yes, they do. What they don't do is love you. Like people in the church. The church is a body of broken pieces. Simple as that. But together, God can work in us and through us in a powerful way. Because, because the church isn't a place. Isn't, it isn't a where. It's a who. The church is a who. It's, it's you. You are the church. <coughs> so I don't go to the church to be reminded of who I am. I go to be a part of the church because of who he is. I couldn't be a part of the church because of who he is. Because let's face it, I spent way too much time during the week. These last six days, I spent way too much time thinking about me and my problems. And I need a break. I need a break from me and my stuff. I need to focus on somebody who's, who's got it all figured out. I need to focus on somebody who's actually got all the resources to do everything that he wants and I want and y'all want. I know that I need some time to get my focus off of me and onto somebody who can. Not what I can't. And that's what I get in church. Not to come in here and think about how great my life is, but to think about how great he is, my God is. That's why church is such a big deal. That's why I love the metaphor of a bride. I've never been a bride. But I love the metaphor of a bride. It's a, it's a text that I go to every time when I meet with a couple who are about to get married. I read this text, Ephesians 5. If you've got your Bible, please join me there. Every time I read it, though, I always point out to them that, that this is a, is a parallel between the church and marriage. It's also, it kind of works back the other way. It's also he uses marriage to show what the church should be. It works both ways here in this, in this passage. If you brought your Bible in fantastic you could have started today. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22, or 25 to 32. Ephesians 5, 25 to 32. If you didn't read your Bible, don't worry, I've got enough here for you. Husbands, love your wives. 
Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. This metaphor teaches us that God offers us at least, and probably more, but what would jump out to me is three things that we get as being a bride of Christ. The first one, during the beginning. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water and through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without saying a wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. What we get as part of the church, what we get with God as part of the church, is intimacy with, with Christ. <laughs> that may look word, especially for some of the guys in the room. That word may be, ah, intimacy, really? Like, can't you come up with a better word, preacher? I really can't. I mean, it's, maybe it's a little too romantic for you, and it kind of makes you a little uncomfortable. But I just want to say, what, what better word is there with, for the fact that His Spirit is alive in me? In you. I mean, it can't. He can't seek intimacy with you in any more powerful way than to become a part of it. And he wants us to live into that relationship. Our, we have a little farm over in Centerville, and uh, our next door neighbors, um, they have a, a they homeschool the kids. And so their son finished school like two months ago. I don't know. He's been finished for quite a while. He comes up, whenever we're there, he sees my truck to pull in, he hops on the school wheel and comes right over. And, and usually it's just me there, usually in the afternoons. And he's like, oh, I thought I'd put him to work doing something. You know? And he loved it. He's, when we were away last weekend, he was in charge of all the animals. And, and he was great. He, he loved it. But every, occasionally, he just got a telephone. And so he texted me yesterday, can I come over? And I'm like, no. <laughs> a little while later, he texted me again. He said, okay, come over? No. <laughs> short, and I probably should have explained what it takes. You know, it takes you can't explain everything. Because, especially when you think about, I just wanted to be with my wife. I mean, it's, it doesn't matter what we're doing. Just we haven't really seen each other all week. We've been busy, been running around, and we just never had a chance to talk. And, and, and he's a great kid. Don't get me wrong. But I didn't want the distraction. It didn't matter what I was going to do with Michelle. We were working in the garden. I mean, it didn't matter. But, but I wanted to be with her. Right? Because her presence brings me joy. That's the same relationship with God. Our presence with Him brings Him joy. Intimacy. We get that way. Even when good things distract us from Him, it's not a good thing. It no longer is a good thing. First thing we get from our, being part of the body of Christ, being part of the church, is an intimacy with God. The second is protection. Verse 28, 
In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but they feed and they care for their body, just as Christ does the church. But we are members of his body. His body. I'm not a fighter. I've never been a fighter. Got in a few fights in my life, but I hated it. Matter of fact, as soon as the fight was over, I tried to beat the guy's best friend. I mean, we, many of them, we became good friends after the fight. I'm like, why couldn't we do this before we got Like, it doesn't matter. But, but anyway, you, you, you may have experienced it. If you've married you have kids, you probably experience, you know this experience that, that when my wife comes home and she tells me what someone did or said to her, right? When, when, when someone acted inappropriately to her, when my kids would come home and say someone was treated and mistreated, right? What happened? I could feel somewhere deep down in the bowels of my body, somewhere. I don't know where it comes from, really. But I could feel it start to change everything about me. My temperature rises. My heart gets to beat a little quicker. My ears are turning red. My neck, I know, I'm a redneck anyway, but my neck, I know, is, is turning red. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing real changes in my body. Why? Because and it didn't have anything to do with me. But, but my call is to be a protector. I want to protect my wife. And my wife would feel the same way about me. That she wants to enter in. She wants to get in. She wants to solve the problem too. It's not just me. I'm not the only fixer in my family. Right? Like, that's, but why? Because that's, that's part of the relationship. That's part. When you're one, that comes naturally. It comes naturally to us when they're part of our family. And as part of the church, we live under God's protection. He provides for those in need through the church. That's, that's our responsibility. So, we have an offering this morning? Yes? Yeah. So, so if, if you were unable to put something in there, the last circumstances just got you in a place where I, I can't. I'm going to have to give. We're, I can't. But I just want you to know that our church has a, a fund established to help people in need. All you need to do is get in touch with me. That's all you need to do. We'll help. We are our responsibility in this church. You're, you're mine, I'm yours. We're our responsibility. So if you're in need, don't, don't carry the burden all by yourself. That's why you're part of the church. It's one of the blessings that I get to help my brothers and my sisters. And others feel the same way. So don't, be, don't do it out of pride. Yeah, that's my own. Protection people to pray for you. Not just to help you financially, but people to pray with you. People to pray for you. People to help you when you need it. People to, to laugh with you when you're happy. People to, to cry with you when you're sad. People to love you no matter what. People to, to stand with you in hard times. And, and cheer you on when you, when you look to succeed. But there's also people to, to call you out when, when your life doesn't quite line up with the life that you profess to live. Look, your, your church family. I know nobody wants to be called out. Nobody wants to sin pointed out. But that's actually what we need to do for each other. If I'm living in a way that's not right, don't tell the person sitting next to you. Go tell me. Tell, tell them. Tell each other. That's a blessing. Accountability is a blessing. When our life gets off track, it's the church through God's Spirit that should be leading us back into a relationship. God supernaturally protects us, absolutely.
But one of the ways it supernaturally works is through the body. We get protected. The third thing we have is a benefit of being a part of the church. It's found in the closing passage. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. What am I talking about? What, what is he talking about here? He's talking about that when you become part of the church, that you get authority. You get the rights and privileges of God. Of God. You're, you're an heir of the kingdom. It's not just for something that happens when you die. That's something that happens right now. You have spiritual authority as part of the church. <laughs> when the kids, our kids are little, and uh, what. You remember when it was like, maybe when it was little, you wanted to do something, and you would always pick a parent who you know is the easiest, right? And you would ask that one. You know what I'm saying. Y'all were looking all innocent like, which I know y'all did it too. We all did, right? I'm not going to ask the one who was most apt to say yes. And so it took me a little while when our kids were growing up to figure it out, right? Okay. They're, 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 they ask the one that they think they need to yes from. They, they, they do a process too. So when I realized that, when, when my son or my daughter would come to me and say, Dad, I asked mom, and she told me to ask you. And I said, no. <laughs> I don't even, like, you don't have to tell me what you asked. Because if you want to be yes, she would already say it. Because she has full authority to say yes. She doesn't need my approval to say yes to anything you want. Right? She doesn't, she doesn't need me to check it off the box. Like, I, I trust her. She trusts me. We know what we want for our kids. If she would have wanted you to do it, she would have said yes. But since she kicked the can down to me, I'm just going to go with no. That's probably the same thing. I didn't explain all that to them, but eventually they got it. They finally figured they said, ask your father, and never mind. <laughs> ask your mother, and never mind. <laughs> they caught on, right? Because we were united. We are one. You're asking one, you're asking both of us. It's the same thing. We have that authority. We, have that. we represent Christ here in this world. Now the question is, are we living that life out? That's that's more of the issue. That we have the authority. We have we can pray for each other, and it actually is a powerful prayer that does much. We can do things in his name that affect eternity. We have that authority. Everyone's welcome. No one's perfect. But together, anything can happen. Okay. Anything. His spirit is working for us. And Jesus promised that you will do even greater things than I have. Church is the place where you have to go. It's something you get to be. It's something you get to be a part of. It's an honor and a privilege. It happens. You become a part of the church. The moment that you don't have to stand up and, and say something in front of the church, that's how you join a local church. You, you become a part of the church when you surrender your life to Jesus. That's part of the invisible church. That's part of the church that spans across time, places. The invisible church is, is invisible because it's God's spirit that makes it so. We don't have to show up in a particular place or stand next to a particular people to be a part of God's church. But we do to be a part of the local church, right? They work hand in hand. The visible and the invisible church. That's how that works. 
a part of the church. It takes a moment of surrender. Where you give your life to him. You, you declare your allegiance. We don't pledge allegiance to anything else in church but Jesus. We declare our allegiance to him. Prayer is surrender. Anybody should pray that. I'm going to pray for you now, church. Join me. God, I thank you. I thank you for sending your son Jesus to earth to, to come and to live and to die for us. And we may know you. God, I ask you that you would move in our lives, that you would move in this world, that you would move in, our, in us to draw us close to you. As we, as we begin and surrender this acknowledging what Jesus did on the cross to die for our sin, that we can be made clean, we can be made whole, we can be restored in a relationship with you, Lord. We can be surrendered, we trust in that. And we continue to live as your people, redeemed, called, equipped, appointed to serve Open our eyes, God, that we might see those of need around us, the world that you are seeking to redeem. Use us, Lord. Use us as part of your plan for the world. We love you. Amen. Amen to a wonderful sermon. Amen. My sister, <clears throat> I said I had something else for you before we sing. See, I didn't tell you now. I didn't tell you then because I know some of you had already done it. Uh, it's probably did anyway. But inside your bulletin is a little uh, QR code. Fancy name for take a picture of it with your phone or point your camera at it with your phone and it comes up with a link uh, to a website. Uh, where we have a survey in our, on our website that I'm asking folks to do. There's a printed copy. Where are they, dude? In the back. In the back, back here or back there? There's some there, there's some uh, back here. There's some by the door, there's some by this door. Uh, if you don't have one of those phones with a camera on it next to the internet, that's fine. But we have paper copies. Uh, this is a survey. Uh, we combined for worship services back in January and February. <coughs> and the, the leadership board met Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. And uh, they want to get some feedback from you. So uh, take it home. You can mail it to the charging office. You can slip it under the door. You can just you can bring it by there. You can do it online. And it comes right to our email. And uh, it's all anonymous. There, nobody knows what who it is saying what. So please. Good or bad, share your input. Don't, don't. Normally what happens is people who don't like things or people who really like things are the only ones who respond. We like to find the people in the, huh, the, you know what I mean? Like people who are like, okay, it was good, but there's some stuff we can change or whatever. You know, we want to hear from everybody. So with that said, take one home if you, if you need. If you want to do it online, please do so. Uh, just so we can kind of get the, get the feel of the church. Well, my wife did one, or my husband did one. I don't really need to. No, 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 both. As we said earlier in the service, different people have different opinions. We'd love to hear from both. So uh, please help out with that, okay? That's all I got for you. Amen. Please stand. <laughs>